It's time for Love Talk with the Love Ladies, Kathy, Carrie, and Marley. Hello, friends, and welcome to Love Talk. You have found the Love Ladies right here on 1120 AM, 101.1 FM, Central Texas, Christian Talk, The Bridge, Austin. Hello, I am Coach Carrie Brinkater. Great to have you with us today, friends. We have an amazing program for you today. I know that many of you have seen The Sound of Freedom And today we're going to talk about what that looks like in the USA. We have a few experts in studio today, and this is going to be a fantastic program. And you've got the whole gang as well, Um, the lovely co-host of Love Talk, Marlene McMichael and Kathy Indebrock. Good morning, Marlene. How are you? I'm very good. I'm very happy about the show, not because of the topic, but because my daughter's sitting beside me. I know. (laughs) Our listening friends have heard so much about Kara, and um, so we are so grateful that she is in studio with us today. Hello, Kathy. Welcome. Hi, Coach Carrie. Hi, Marlene. It is great to be here. I love this program. I've watched the movie The Sound of Freedom, and uh, I, when Marlene said, you know what, I think Cara might be able to come in and talk with us about what the trafficking looks like in the United States and actually get a guest who has been there in it and has come out of it, I, I'm just so excited about today's program and what this means for our listeners to really get an inside view and uh, get a more of a 360 understanding and understand as well what people are going through and the difference that we can make and what we can look for and how we can put an end to what is happening in this nation. Absolutely. I know, listening friends, you can kind of hear an intonation of our voices that today's program is a little more, you know, serious um, than some of the other programs that we bring you about joy and, and peace. And we will get to that. But this is a heavy topic today, Marlene. And so, listening friends, if you've got littles around, um, you know, this might be a time for them to go do a puzzle in the other room. <laughs> Um, you know, uh, not, not necessarily a topic for our, our little friends um, who love to listen to our program, but more of a topic today to really bring light to um, just a multi-billion dollar industry of evil here in the U.S. So, Marlene, let's, let's get right into it. You know, this, this movie, The Sound of Freedom, has brought a lot of awareness for human trafficking um, internationally. But we see that that looks a little different here in the United States. And so go ahead and introduce our, our program. Well, it does look different in the United States. And I, I, because uh, my daughter works in that industry um, as a uh, recovery expert, I really wanted to kind of share that with our listeners. And so I do recommend that you see the movie because it is all about awareness. Um, but it was produced, as I understand it, about five years ago and then shelved. And there may be different reasons for that. But nevertheless, the movie is now a box office success and it is expected to earn more than $100 million at the box office. Marketing the film has been crowdfunded. So in other words, it wasn't a major studio that uh, mm-hmm. produced or put it out there for the studios. But it's a story that's based on the experience of a former Homeland Security operative by the name of Tim Ballard, who in the movie quits his job and goes into the Colombian jungle jungle to rescue the sister of a young boy he had already rescued. Mm -hmm. And so regardless of how much of the movie is fiction and how much was fact, the sound of freedom has opened many eyes to the very real existence of human trafficking. This story is based in South America and depicts children being stolen off the streets 
and experts say that, uh, including the two in our our, uh, studio today, so we have a full house here, (laughs) um, but experts say that the trafficking is a little different in the United States, actually very different. So we'd like to talk about that a little bit and and go from there. The movie, in many ways, has opened the eyes of millions of Americans to the reality of trafficking, and that's a victory all by itself. But as Americans, we need to understand that the U.S. is one of the biggest, if not the biggest, consumer of sexual exploitation in the world. Human trafficking is not just an evil common to third world countries. It's an evil that exists right here at home. And so the crime, trafficking in persons, or TIP, as it's called, is considered the fastest growing type of organized crime with global profits for traffickers reaching 150 billion U.S. dollars annually. It's the third largest criminal activity in the world. And all that's to say it's important to understand that trafficking in the U.S. looks different than what they shown they showed in the movie. And I believe recovery in the U.S. for a victim is a little bit harder. Americans and especially Christian Americans, I think, need to understand that. And so the movie helped raise awareness. And now I hope today we can give all our listeners a little bit of education about what it's all about here in America. Mm. Well, let's introduce our guest, Kathy. I am uh, just so pleased to be able to introduce uh, Cara McMichael. She serves as executive director of the Human Trafficking Interdiction Division within BCFS Health and Human Services based in San Antonio. And this is exciting. Under CARA's leadership, um, Human Trafficking Interdiction provides relational advocacy services, operates a 24-7, 365-day-a-year hotline. They run uh, care coordination services. Uh, She leads a task force with law enforcement partners, recruits local community members to expand a survivor's village. And we're going to learn what that term means. What is a survivor's village? After more than 20 years in the political realm with leadership positions in political advocacy groups, the Texas State House, United States Congress, and the Embassy of Israel, Kara possesses a wealth of knowledge in policy formation, agency rulemaking authority, regulations, intergovernmental relations, you know, we're kind of getting the feeling that this gal knows exactly what she's talking about. She has seen so much and understands how government works. And this is really neat that while she was in Washington, D.C., she also worked for an international nonprofit as director of government relations and grants. And so she knows all about grant writing and funding. But she is so passionate about the fight against human trafficking. Cara's involvement extends back over a decade in this area. Uh, she, including spearheading the passage of landmark anti-trafficking legislation within the great state of Texas, which led to the creation of the first statewide human trafficking prevention task force, and also significant reforms to better facilitate investigation and prosecutions, enhance protection for minor victims, and increase penalties for predators. So Cara has been right there in it, in this fight for over a decade. I'm so excited to hear what she's going to share with us today. And I'm not even going to get into her educational background (laughs) within a Bachelor of Science degrees, Master's degrees. The girl is, uh, she's a bright one, Marlene. You've raised, you've you've raised a a bright one. And also we're... (laughs) 
right, we, I'm going to go are, now. <laughs> <laughs> we are also welcoming uh, just our wonderful guest, Sophia Strother Lewis. And first and foremost, she is a survivor and overcomer. But on top of that, she is also an entrepreneur, community advocate, and an inspirational speaker, which, friends, you're going to discover that in just a moment. Her goal is to empower others who are victims of domestic violence, sexual abuse, and trafficking. She doesn't just want to help those who survive this, but she wants to help put an end to it. And that's what we're going to be talking about today, putting an end to to this. And she does all of this by engaging with all levels of survivors, which may kind of surprise some of our our listeners today. She engages with those who witness the abuse, the ones who are abused, and the ones who are affected by a generation of abuse. And she then takes this a step further and shares her story and engages with those who have perpetrated abuse in the hope that they will be inspired to change their behaviors. And this is a true form of breaking the cycle of abuse. She has spoken to audiences of all ages in various settings. Sophia has over 15 years of experience in leading grassroots efforts, team leadership, event coordination, fundraising, and promoting domestic violence and sexual awareness campaigns. She's an ardent community leader with an eye for improving the daily lives of individuals. Her work is focused on breaking the cycle of domestic violence, sexual assault, and unaddressed trauma. And as well, her educational background is very impressive, friends. I just I can't tell you how blessed we are to have these two women on Love Talk with us today. Sophia and Kara, welcome to Love Talk. Thank you for having us. Thank you. All right, ladies. Wow, an impressive crew here today uh, in the Love Talk studios. Um, Sophia, well, well, let's start with you, Cara. Cara, just tell us a little bit about kind of your day-to-day as you work um, inside this industry that is, you know, trying to trying to eradicate uh, what is going on here with human trafficking. The human tra- you're the executive director of the Human Trafficking Interdiction Division within BCSF, BCFS Health and Human Services. That's a mouthful. Tell us a little bit about your day-to-day. Well, I'm going to tell you more about the day-to-day for our advocates. Okay. Because my day-to-day great. is primarily looking at spreadsheets and tracking down funding and, and mm-hmm. ensuring that we have uh, all the things that we need for uh, our amazing warrior saints, uh, that, that work mm. uh, within our division. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have multiple programs. Uh, one is um, probably the largest advocacy program for child sex trafficking survivors in Texas, and we are in the process of expanding statewide in Louisiana as well. Um, here in Texas, we work up to the age of 22, and in Louisiana, we'll be up to the age of 18. We also have programming for adult, uh, adult sex trafficking survivors and then also for labor trafficking of all ages. Uh, for our advocates, it is designed uh, utilizing a trust-based relational intervention, or TBRI, model, uh, where we specifically work to build trusting relationships. Oftentimes, we're walking beside the survivor while they're still in the life, because that's when the referrals often come. Mm-hmm. Uh, and our job is not to, quote, rescue or save them, because uh, we can't do that. Um, we can't take their choice away from them, because if we do, it's not really making us any better than the trafficker who's taken all their choices away. Our job is to walk beside them, uh, provide them with various options, whether that's 
are you hungry? What what would you like to eat? Would you like this option or, or this option? Mm-hmm. Um, because oftentimes they, they have forgotten how to make a choice. Mm-hmm. And so by teaching them all over again uh, that they can, and these choices can be very beneficial for their life, we work to empower them so that they can make the choice to choose to leave. But then even once you leave, the recovery is still very, very difficult. Mm-hmm. It's not like you leave a bad situation and suddenly everything is hunky-dory. So we continue to walk through them day in, day out, 24 hours a day, uh, teaching them how to originally co-regulate when they have uh, things that, that trigger, uh, to eventually self-regulation, to being able to walk um, freely on their own mm-hmm. without having somebody that's constantly there supporting them uh, day in and day out. Uh, and that, that can be everything from um, trying to find a place to live, to clothing, to food, to shelter, to even daily life skills, uh, helping set them up as far as um, GED and and uh, potential long-term education, uh, college career tech. I know you've heard a lot of tech in this mm-hmm. on this radio program. Yeah. Thanks to my mom. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's essentially what it looks like. And uh, what we have discovered is that there is an endless, um, unfortunately, an endless supply. Mm. Uh, that the vast majority are domestic, including in um, in labor trafficking. And unfortunately, one of the things that we have discovered in the last couple of years in working with labor trafficking is there are zero funding, zero support, zero services for domestic labor because it's just nobody thinks about it. Nobody realizes that that is still, that is actually a problem. Uh, a lot of the attention and awareness has been on child sex trafficking, and so that's where uh, where the attention is. Explain uh, labor trafficking right before we go here to break, Kara. Sure. Uh, labor trafficking is, is um, just like it sounds. It is somebody who is being exploited um, for cost savings. So we see everything from um, abuse of Medicare and Medicaid, the, the um, social services, where you know, the, the kiddo basically is kept locked up and uh, a relative is, is exploiting uh, this financial resources mm. to, um, you know, some of the, the street peddlers um, that are out there being exploited by somebody else um, to uh, the traditional things that you would think of in terms of, like, factories and, and agricultural mm. facilities. Um, we had a, a really significant case up in the Midwest that was a chicken farm. So those are, are um, some pretty common examples. Wow. Uh, your your work spans um, is vast. I can't, I'm very excited. When we return from break, we'll hear from Sophia Strother Lewis, um, a survivor, an advocate, and uh, we will we'll hear from her uh, right here on Love Talk as we discuss today uh, what the sound of freedom looks like here in the U.S. When we return to Love Talk, right after this. George Christensen and his family at Casa Mechanical Services are longtime friends and sponsors for Love Talk, Love Walk. These Casa friends are professionals with more than 40 years' experience in providing heating, air conditioning, plumbing, and electrical services in the Austin area. If your heating isn't heating, your cooling isn't cooling, or your drains aren't draining, well, then you need to call our friends at Casa at 334-7300. They provide sales and service on all major brands from professionals you can trust. 
So, big jobs or little jobs, it doesn't matter. Call CASA at 334-7300. Are you looking for a new church home? Or maybe you're new to the area. Either way, we here at First Baptist Church Pflugerville would love to welcome you to visit with us this Sunday at 11 a.m. for our worship service. We have a myriad of different grow groups at 9.30 a.m. And if you need more information, just click the big orange New Here button on our website, fbcpville.org. We hope to connect with you in the near future, and we hope that when you do visit with us, you'll feel like family here. Tim Smith Landscaping. Wow, these guys know what they're doing. Tim Smith has been taking care of landscaping since he was knee-high to a yucca, and they can come to your house and turn a yucky-looking yard into a show place. Take a drab, boring commercial or residential piece of property and turn it into a place that you'll be proud to call home or proud to call your business. There's simply no better choice for landscaping than Tim Smith. 512-848-0659 or 512-2580. Or www.timsmithlandscaping.com. Hello, friends, and welcome back to Love Talk. You're here with the Love Ladies. I'm Coach Carrie Brinkater in studio with Marlene McMichael and Kathy Indebrock. Today we're discussing. Um, a hard topic, a sensitive topic, and, you know, we don't pretend, I certainly do not pretend to um, even know how to talk about this topic in a educated way. I'm learning from my cohorts here, Kara and Sophia, today, um, as we discuss what the sound of freedom looks like in the U.S. Um, Sophia Strother-Lewis is, you know, a survivor and an overcomer. We're grateful she's here with us today. She's an entrepreneur, a community advocate, an inspirational speaker, and we are going to hear from her in just a second. I want to take us back to Scripture, Psalm 127.3. Behold, children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Sophia, you have, um, you're a survivor of trafficking. Um, your story is um, hard. Um, and you are absolutely thriving now, but I know that has come with a lot of work. Tell us a little bit more about your current work and a little bit more about your personal story. Thank That's you. That's a loaded so much. question. It's, it's very loaded. <laughs> um, and I'll start with what I'm doing. I'm actually currently the facilitator for the Texas Human Trafficking Survivor Leadership Council which was actually birthed out of legislation that um, our other special guests helped to create um, through the governor's office. And basically, with this prevention task force, they wanted to have a group of uh, human trafficking survivors that could um, bring their voice and, again, suggestions to a plan that they wanted to put into place to address human trafficking with the end goal of eradicating, which we know is a very long press goal um, because there's so much attached and so much money that's um, a part of it. It's hard to kind of break down something that's in every fiber of our infrastructure. Um, But I've been currently over that council since 2020 and really have been tasked with um, giving us a level of statewide respect as well as national respect for our voice uh, and also uh, making sure that people value our voice as well in that process. And so that's some of the line of work along with also trying to depict um, women of color 
to be on this platform. Uh, we talk a lot about, you know, Sounds of Freedom, which was more so about an international incident that occurred. But according to the FBI, over 50% of children that are involved in human trafficking are actually girls of color. And over about 40% of adult women are women of color. However, when it comes to the movies depicted, when it comes to billboards, when it comes to anything outward facing, you don't see us um, for the most part. At the tables where decisions are made and where legislation is brought, you might see one or two of us, even though we actually make up the majority that are affected by this Mm -hmm. horrific incident. Mm -hmm. And I also like to say in perspective, it's amazing sometimes that people are so shocked about trafficking, given that the American history was founded on one of the most egregious forms of sex and labor trafficking, and that is what happened to Africans that were brought over here. That is human trafficking. And just because it is not so in your face as it was uh, 100 years ago doesn't mean that it's not in our fabric and DNA of American culture. Uh, human trafficking is not just about being locked up. It's not just about being in shackles, which is really um, a misnomer of how it's depicted in the U.S. It's not about just a pimp on the corner and a woman with fishnets. It is actually more so about trauma bonds. Most trafficking takes place and there is no type of chain, no type of box, no lock on the doors. It is really a mental component of trauma. And a lot of it is being done to very vulnerable populations, those that can be ostracized for what they look like or for what they believe in or their sexual orientation, despite if you agree with it or not. They're human beings at the end of the day that don't deserve to be trafficked, and they are. And so one of the things that I hope can come out of this um, program today is that people realize that trafficking is not sensationalized. It happens in every type of social economic environment. I did not grow up in a hood. I did not grow up in a ghetto. I had very educated parents. My mom was an LVN. My father was an engineer. And they still, unfortunately, succumbed to drugs in the late 80s. The same type of trauma that's happening today with fentanyl and various other drugs that we now want to get people help and we want them to understand that there's mental health issues was happening in the 80s we're like rewinding what just recently happened but unfortunately in the late 80s and early 90s when individuals succumbed to drugs it was their thugs it is they need to be locked up they weren't looking at potentially economic environment that they might have stayed in poverty-stricken areas or that at that time the government was kind of flooding certain areas as well. But it was more so looked at the people and what they looked like. And so now what's happening, when my parents succumbed to it then, it was behind drug addiction. Um, It started with my father with child sexual abuse. And then when my father died abruptly in a car accident, um, my mother succumbed to um, drugs and unfortunately looked at her daughter and said, you know what? I'm not able on my own to secure drugs. I don't have the financial resources right now. I'm so overwhelmed with grief by the loss of my husband. But I'm going to use my daughter as a means to secure drugs for me. I'm going to use my daughter as a means to pay bills. And that's what happened for me at 13. My mom started to groom me. She didn't have me on a corner. She didn't have, you know, a pimp juice cup waiting you know and again i'm talking about what's depicted in media a lot of time it's glorified they had a show called pimp my ride they have pimp my house it's almost like the word pimp 
has no significance for what it truly is, which is a horrific thing. It's now like a cultural norm to say it. And it's not just, um, you know, black, white thing. Like everybody uses it in certain ramifications or certain conversations and it's dumbed down. Um, and so for me, it was my mom literally saying, if we don't have these monies to eat, all of us will starve. If we don't have these um, monies to pay the rent, then we'll be homeless. And so here I am, 13, with a younger sibling. Actually, it was two younger siblings because she had another child by then. And my mom, father gone. And I'm saying, okay, well, what do I need to do to make sure we're not homeless? And how a lot of young people start is sex for survival. It's not necessarily where they feel as though I'm being trafficked. Because nobody, if we're being realistic, like we don't go around in the neighborhood saying, you know what, I think I'm going to be trafficked today. Like that's not the conversation. And typically with teenagers where their brains are not developed anyway to that certain degree, everything is about the immediate today. How do I survive a drug habit? today Mm -hmm. how do i survive peer pressure which that's how you can also come into the life that's where you have recruiters that come in that you know you may not have that family upbringing that you wanted um or for me it was familiar so i'm not thinking my mom is a pimp like i never once saw her like that i just thought she was just not a good mom because she has me out here trying to do things that I didn't want to do. And then it was, okay, well, don't come home unless you got $100. And I'm mm-hmm. sitting there like, well, how am I? I get it. Well, well you go see so-and-so, he'll probably have it for you, which t- technically in certain areas that's a loan shark or something else. But they're not going to just keep giving you money to give you money. There's not that much empathy when you're in those types of predicament. And so you do have people that are perpetrators that can see that vulnerability and they utilize that for, huh, okay, she's cute. She, you know, ain't nobody's, nobody's looking for her. I feed her mom drugs. She'll be fine. I can use her to do X, Y, and Z. And so then it becomes bigger than you, especially if you're 13 years old in this predicament and you're dealing with grown men that are 40 and 50 years old. They know exactly how old you are. They know exactly the predicament that you're in, and they're utilizing that to exploit you. They also know that the crimes against them, if they're caught, is little to none. You know, up until um, the last legislative session where Abbott did make it a felony um, to solicit sex, it was a misdemeanor. You might get a slap on the wrist, go about your business, pay your fine, and then you're looking for the next supply, as I always say, um, because, you know, there's not much repercussion. It was actually more dangerous for you to be a prostitute or to be in the life than it was for you to solicit, which we always say there's no way to break this cycle until you break demand. Because unless demand is infiltrated, there's always going to be supply. There's always going to be a need for little girls like me um, that are literally just trying to survive, and people are taking advantage of that. Um, And I do like that, you know, um, Carr said about, you know, rescuing me. Um, Human trafficking is very similar to domestic violence. It takes anywhere from five to seven times for a woman and or man, because men are also trafficked. They are also uh, in domestic violent relationships, but typically, overwhelmingly, we know it's women. It takes them five to seven times for them to finally get out. Um, my mantra that I have is get loud, get out. It's very intersectionality there because we are drawn in by the trauma bond. Oh, he said, I'm sorry. He says, I love you. Or for trafficking, 
you have no means to take care of yourself. A lot of times they will take all of your ID documents. So you can't go get a job without a social security card and a birth certificate. Or if you happen to be one that is here on a visa or you are a migrant, like those documents are everything to you. You don't make your own money. So there's no such thing as a savings account. So if you do happen to get away, you don't have any money. They also are very, very clever on ostracizing you from any and everybody that might actually care about you. So they do a very, very good job of making sure that you have no one to turn to or you burnt the bridge because they've gotten you hooked on drugs um, or, again, they've had you do illegal acts while you were being trafficked to where now you have a criminal record or if you're a juvenile, you've been out of school um, or you haven't worked in a long period of time. So who wants to hire someone that hasn't worked in a year and a half? Like, where's your... Where's your work experience? So there's a lot of barriers to the lifestyle, to where it's not as easy as somebody busting open a door, grabbing you out of wherever you were, quote, unquote, locked into, getting you out, and we're screaming for joy. Because most times, survivors have to learn how to be human all over again. Uh, one survivor that truly touched me uh, was she said, I didn't even know what being human was. I had lost all sense of dignity all of my respect in everybody that I saw, I thought they knew what I did. So you constantly walk around with like a shame and a guilt, your head held down, and faith doesn't always help you because you may have people, they may be well-intentioned, but some things that they say in the name of Jesus, and I'll say from my personal experience, and this is I'm now a licensed missionary, and so I help those in the faith community know how to address and work with people traumatized. But when I first got out, I had someone say to me, well, you know, you have to learn to love yourself first. And you have mm -hmm. to, to know that, you know, Jesus, he's like he can be a father to you. And the first thing I'm thinking about is my father who sexually molested me and basically bred in me from the age of nine that I'd be no more than a footstool for men and I wasn't worth anything. So I didn't want anything to do with church when I was younger mm -hmm. because I didn't have the wherewithal to separate the two. And then I kept having women say, you got to love yourself. Well, love equated to sex to me because everybody I knew that quote unquote loved me used me for sex. So even when you're dealing with individuals traumatized, knowing the difference between showing a lifestyle of love and acceptance and re-traumatizing is very, very important. And so when someone says, well, just pray on it, God will make a way. Okay, well, I'm still feeling dirty. Mm -hmm. I still feel ashamed. I still can't forget what I've had to do to survive for the last few years. So have patience with me. Give me grace to where I'm not going to be perfect or this, like, poster child in just one prayer session or just one time coming to the altar. And it takes more than just, oh, well, we got you out. You should be good now. No, I was 36 before I realized that I was a whole hot mess. I was, <laughs> I was successful on the business end, but I was emotionally and mentally a mess because what was told to me was pray about it, don't worry about it, don't talk about it because that means you didn't leave it in God's hands. Or mm -hmm. I had people say that if you work at it, just keep working. You're too busy to deal with past trauma. And it wasn't until something happened that triggered me that I said, God, if you don't want me, just take me now. Like, I'm, I'm good. Like, I, I have no purpose here. Everything that I encounter is traumatizing, is tragic, and I'm trying to still figure out what that purpose looks like. 
But that was also when I got to a point where I said, I need to go to therapy. Like, I need to talk to somebody third party that will not judge, will just let me talk and get it off my chest and really start tapping into just because this happened 10 years ago, 20 years ago, doesn't mean I'm okay with it. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. And I think a lot of times, especially people in ministry, we don't give ourselves grace to not be okay. And that's okay. As long as you don't stay in it, Mm -hmm. it's okay to acknowledge that something has deeply wounded you or traumatized you. And again, Sound of Freedom hopefully is bringing those conversations to surface. But I appreciate the education that goes along with that because it is not a one and done. We're free and now we're great and good to go. Mm -hmm. Okay, so... Um, you said that you were groomed from nine, is that correct? My father started sexually abusing me at nine. My mom started grooming me for trafficking at 13. So, Carl, your agency is in uh, multiple counties. I, I don't know the number now, but uh, but you're also in Louisiana. So what is uh, the age of the clients and the survivors that you're seeing? Um, I mean, it, because I would think it would be much, much harder to recover as a young child if you're if you're out of the business because you know it's not about going to work it's it's you know where do you go mm-hmm. and how do you get the, the the things that you need so could you maybe talk about that so within the the common thread program, which is our our advocacy program for child sex trafficking survivors. The average age uh, of our clientele is 15. Uh, that That's not their first experience. Generally, they've already been in the life uh, for at least a year or two. Uh, we've had survivors as young as four. Um, oh, and obviously, the road to recovery is lifelong. Um, as far as what that looks like when they exit the life. Um, Some have families that they can go back to uh, that are safer environments than obviously what Sophia grew up with. But the child who is returning home to the parent um, is not the same child that left. And so then there's the struggle of how do you deal with this child who, as as we've already mentioned, uh, they are not intellectually and mentally astute. And so all of the the trauma and the emotions that they're going through, they don't necessarily know how to express. And so when they act out, it's not necessarily an act of rebellion or disobedience so much as it is an act of, I don't know how to process and I'm about to explode. And so this is is how I'm doing it because it's the only only thing I know how to do. Uh, So working with the family is, is a critical issue because if the family doesn't understand how to work with this child and their trauma, that child's going to run. And they're going to run because they're in an environment at home where nobody understands them. And so they're going to go back to where people understand them, which is why it takes multiple times. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, there's the trauma bond with the the trafficker. There's also the trauma bond with the others that were being trafficked with them and the guilt associated with getting out while they're still there. Uh, and, And so it's... I often refer back to uh, Stockholm Syndrome. We're familiar with that terminology, but most people forget that that is a story of a bank robbery that took place in Stockholm with adults that were held hostage for five days, not even a full week. 
not overly violent, certainly stressful, but not overly violent. And it was all adults. And 20, 30 years later, those hostages are still communicating with the robbers in prison. Now translate that to a child who doesn't have the same intellectual and emotional equivalents. And the amount of physical, mental, emotional trauma, likely drugs and alcohol, um, certainly physical abuse, the things that they have witnessed, um, not only to themselves, but to those around them, and then say, okay, now you're out. It's all hunky-dory now. It, it, it doesn't work that way. Um, we talk about PTS all the time with our military, but oftentimes that's a single incident or a couple of incidents that you know our soldiers are dealing with when they come home. These are kids who are traumatized repeatedly on a daily basis. It, it is a long road to recovery, and I think that's something that you know, the, the public needs to be aware of. And think about this. You just said traumatized. We talk about trafficking as if we can't say these are people being raped mm -hmm. several times a day mm -hmm. for weeks, months, or even years. Trauma, let's like scale back the wording and not sugarcoat Absolutely. what is happening to these individuals. These are children having to do things that we as adults are like, oh my gosh, I would never, could never, but they're doing it to survive every day for an extended period of time with grown men and some grown women that know exactly what they're doing and still continuing to do the act, knowing that there's very limited repercussions for them in doing the act. So I, Sophia and Cara, I have a, a question for you. Um, you know, obviously, just writing down notes from everything you're saying, you say that we'll never break the cycle until we break the demand we say that you've said that, you know, these victims are, are out there. Can you help open our eyes and educate our eyes to understand what to look for? Are there recognizable signs that someone is being trafficked? And, you know, how, how can we be, I mean, I wouldn't even know what the signs are, and then I wouldn't know what to do if I saw the signs. We talk about indicators on a pretty regular basis, um, but the reality is the indicators aren't the same. I mean, you know, Sophia can tell you if she was a straight-A student. Mm -hmm. you know, nobody would have looked at, at her education record and thought that something was happening. The real key point that, you know, because I've obviously heard her story several times, the, the real key that I think is so important is she made an outcry and people didn't believe her. Uh, we have to believe our kids. We have to listen to them. We have to form relationships with them. It's the kids who feel alone and abandoned and isolated and unloved or uncared for that are looking for something, which is often that first point of exploitation for traffickers. Sophia, tell us about that. <clears throat> you made an outcry at some point <laughs> when you were a teenager. Oh, I made several. Several? Um, Who did you go to? Well, first it started at school. So actually, um, teachers are the number one reporters. Um, and that's mm -hmm. why when we had COVID shutting down schools, there was actually an uptick in human trafficking mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. there's no teachers to be able to see. For me, it was I wore the same clothes 
all the time. Like I, I would come to school as if I literally had not slept that night because mm-hmm. I probably might have been working all night. Um, so the first thing was just my attire. You know, a young person that you notice used to be well kept is now all of a sudden you're seeing kind of unkept it could be that there's other mental emotional things happening it could be because they're up all night or out all night Uh, another one was my aggression you know a lot of times young people go through the the stages of grief Mm -hmm. so we go through being angry we go through a period of being depressed we go like there's several different phases that we go through if you typically see a child that's running away a lot tony mckinley who is also in this space shows her rap sheet mm-hmm. of the fact i want to say she ran away like 12 to 14 times and in the whole entire time it was because she was in the life of being trafficked, but nobody thought to look beyond surface level behavior Mm -hmm. um and so that was another key one that we've also talked about which is a new tactic in human trafficking through airbnbs and we have another young lady that's on our um, council that talked about the fact that her trafficker would actually get airbnbs in very prominent neighborhoods Mm -hmm. so well-to-do neighborhoods because you're not thinking like most people this can't possibly be happening in my neighborhood because these are five hundred thousand dollar homes or whatever have you that's where they would rent their airbnbs and stay for a month and so typically when you're seeing a lot of foot traffic in a particular neighborhood or a home that stereotypically would not have it um, is also another indicator as well Mm. you know friends um this is very real. I'm, I know personally um, of a story in Williamson County, and there are many, um, much like Sophia's, a young woman every day picked up by her pimp from school to take her to be trafficked multiple times every, gosh, I just, I just get chills when I talk about it, every single night. Mm-hmm. And then she shows up at school the next day with no sleep, same clothes, you know, trying to present herself in a way that she can just relax at school. Yeah, that's where I ate. That's where I slept. That's where yeah. I actually cleaned up myself was at school. That's yeah. why I did so well at school. That was actually my outlet. Yeah, um, so you're... like she said, you'll see AB honor roll all through my entire high school. Wow. Mm-hmm. Friends, we have one more segment here with um, our phenomenal new friends, uh, Cara and Sophia. And We pray that you'll join us as we wrap this up. We'll talk about um, some more indicators. We'll also talk about ways that you can help and um, people you can contact if you're interested in helping in this space. When we return to Love Talk right after this. Don't wait. Score the best deal on the home of your dreams at the three-time awarded Community of the Year Santa Rita Ranch. With top-rated amenities and school districts, our 20 available move-in ready homes priced from the 200s won't last long. See for yourself why 2,000-plus neighbors love life at the ranch. For more information, visit us at SantaRitaRanch.com. SantaRitaRanch.com. 
Are you recovering from an injury, need to regain your health, or simply want to improve your golf swing? HeartFlex can help. HeartFlex is an innovative exercise tool for all fitness levels. Made in the USA, HeartFlex has helped countless Texans improve their fitness by increasing strength, boosting circulation, maximizing flexibility and endurance, and speeding recovery from surgery. It's small, portable, and lightweight. HeartFlex can be used standing, sitting, or lying down. No springs or rubber bands to snap back and cause injury. At less than $40, shipping is free and has a 30-day money-back guarantee. Nothing can stop you from improving your health today. You can learn more and to order yours, visit HeartFlexUSA.com. That's HeartFlexUSA.com. Hi, friends. This is Kathy Enderbrock with Let's Pray Today Ministries. Are you struggling in your marriage with anxiety and depression? Have rebellious kids or, or just want to pray for your children? Maybe you simply don't know where to start in prayer. We specialize in creating the tools to help you learn how to pray and pray effectively in a variety of life issues. Get your free MP3 download today on the topic of your choice. Go to www.letspraytoday.com and click on shop for your free audio prayer download. Become a friend on Facebook and let us know what prayer topic you Welcome back, friends. You are listening to Love Talk on the Bridge Austin. Today's Christian Talk 101 FM and 1120 AM. I'm Kathy Enderbrock. I'm here today with my beautiful co-host Marlene McMichael and Coach Carrie Brinkader. And we have very special guests with us, Cara McMichael and Sophia Lewis. Ladies, it is just wonderful to have you with us. We've been in the middle of this conversation what the sound of freedom looks like in the United States of America. We've been talking about uh, trafficking in the United States. And, Sophia, in our first couple of segments, you have uh, just shared with us this amazing story of your life, how you were in the middle of this, how you were sexually abused by your father at age 9 and then um, groomed by your mother at age 13. And you shared with us in that second segment that you actually told a number of people um, trying to get out and no one believed you. Can you share with us how you actually ended up getting out of that life? So um, at about 14, unfortunately, uh, one of my mother's drug dealers um, took advantage of me and I became pregnant um, at the age of 14. And so by 15, I had my first child. Of, that was not of my own accord. Um, but I also look back now, he was a godsend for me because he gave me um, a reason to want to get out um, from up under my mom's grip. And so I did have a, a I always say, a praying grandmother, uh, which was my father's mother that was uh, in Springfield, Mass. All of this took place in Marlin, Texas, right outside of Waco, Texas. Um, and um, I called her up and I, and I told her, I said, Nana, I said, I don't have a future. I'm either going to be a prostitute or I'm going to die, and I need to get out. And on October 21st, 1995, my grandmother sent me a plane ticket, a one-way plane ticket, to leave Marlin, Texas, and to go to Springfield, Massachusetts with her. With my three-month-old child in tow, I was 15 years old, and I just remember thinking that I don't really know how I was going to make it. I just knew 
that I wouldn't have to continue to be worth $40 on a bad day and $100 on a good day. Mm-hmm. And here I am, 43, and I am still visibly emotional about the toll of what trafficking meant to my life at that time because even getting out I opened myself because of low self-esteem because of not having worth to a decade of abusive relationships of being sexually assaulted again as an adult um, to where it took me till I was about 36 uh, and I was ready for God to take me up out of here uh I wasn't going to take my own life because I still <laughs> I still had some spiritual connection to know that consequence. But I was just done. I was tired. I was done. And I just felt like there was no real purpose left in my life. And I had a friend of mine that saw a post I put on Facebook, which I'm never negative about. And But at this particular time, I just said, what if the dash means nothing. And I used to talk about how Mm. we're born on this year and we die on this particular year, but the dash is what you have to make meaning of. And when I felt like my dash wasn't going to mean anything, she sent the police over to do a wellness visit. And I had my daughter and my son at the time, I think my daughter was 10, my son might have been 15, downstairs and I had barricaded myself in a room and I was just looking at pills. And I just... Again, I couldn't bring myself to do it, but I was just in such a broken space. And even spiritually, I look at scripture that talks about when we are weak, he is made strong. I think about Philippians, you know, um, through him, we can do all things like all of those type of scriptures started to come back to my mindset when I knew I needed help. I needed to really work through and I really needed to see how faith was going to play a part um, in this recovery journey, in this healing journey. And what it does is, again, we talked about it doesn't make it easier. I just have the faith enough to know I'm not in it alone. You know, even when I have to cry in those midnight hours or if I feel like no one else understands, I at least know someone has my back. Um, and he is the only reason that I made it this far. There's no way in the world I could have made it through some of the suffering and we don't have enough time to go through it without that guidance. So if you do know the power of prayer and an accessory prayer, pray for all of the whispers that you don't yet hear and you can't see for all of us that are probably still in the life. Don't know that we can be loved by someone that's not our family. Pray for those to actually experience unconditional love that doesn't hurt. Pray that um, their perpetrator is caught off guard, is caught slipping. Pray that somebody sees something and says something. So there is an opportunity. If you can't physically do something, um, prayer can do things that what we could never think is possible is. Um, but if you do see something that makes you somewhat like, I don't know, it doesn't sit right. Normally believe that spirit of discernment that I talk mm-hmm. about all the time. We all have that. Don't ignore it. Say something because it's better to be wrong and say something than to be, you know, right and never said anything. And you could have potentially helped to bring attention to where even if you text, they have a a line we just talked about at the human trafficking national hotline. You can text 233733 and you can be anonymous. You can state your information, but if you see something, say something to where, you know, listen, there's a lot of foot traffic in my neighborhood and there's technically not. You know, there's, you know, I'm seeing a young lady that does not look well 
together kept well um she looks distraught or again if you're seeing activity in your neighborhood you don't normally see say something because it doesn't hurt for them to just at least investigate you don't have to be accusatory Mm -hmm. but you can just say something is not right in my community can you look into it and tell us that text number again it is two three three seven three three, and it is um you. It's actually considered be free, so that's what it spells out is be free, and so you can text anything that you're seeing. Um, there's also an eight hundred uh, eight hundred number that you can call, but most all people right now can text and remembering two three three seven three three is something and also have those conversations if you're a part of a ministry that can dedicate a bible study or even if it's not just solely on human trafficking talk about mental health um bringing experts not just people that are licensed in ministry but also licensed in therapy and licensed social workers or life coaches have them come in and talk about the signs of what depression looks like those symptoms have um human trafficking experts come into one of your sessions and talk about the signs or the red flags so you can be educated and use that space right there in your own ministry doesn't cost anything to educate or have the conversation so that you can know what to do if someone does confide in you to say hey something is happening to me i'm not okay i don't feel safe you cannot know how to have those conversations more effectively so cara you're a service provider so what can christians and the church do to help service providers like you and others um, to really meet the needs of this population? There's actually a multitude of ways in which people can get involved. Obviously, prayer is is a key one. Um, nobody ever turns away donations. Uh, but but even beyond, for example, cash or, or clothing, um, toiletries, even furniture items, because uh, a lot of times, you know, folks, particularly who are coming out of the life, don't have anything. So, mm-hmm. so providing those types of resources. But even beyond that, um, services. You know, so for example, we're currently partnering with a variety of different entities to help build resumes, teach interview skills, uh, train for GEDs. Um, we're also working on helping to restore credit and teaching financial literacy, mm-hmm. basic life skills. Uh, we're looking for um, mentors, you know, to, to again build out that village and walk beside our, our survivors, uh, and also help them realize that there really are good, trusting adults that are out there that don't want to use them, that really want to help support them and build them up, uh, and uh, and give them a better foundation for a new life. Mm. Those positive relationships are everything. My one positive was my grandmother. Thank God for her. But being able to build trust and having non-toxic relationships, learning what healthy boundaries looks like, which, again, they have a, a program, their allies program, which is purposely meant to um, match people with some of the survivors, kind of to give them that experience that they might have never had. Like, for me, both of my parents, which should have been the positive, healthy relationships, I did not have. Mm-hmm. So if I would have had, I always say, a me when I was growing up, have someone that can teach me that it's okay to have a relationship with someone that wants absolutely nothing for me, but for me to be successful and to be healthy is vital. So if you have the time, it's not time consuming, but if you have some time to partner with BCFS, it can definitely change lives. Mm-hmm. Well, and that even goes into whatever it is that you do in your daily life. So, for example, if you're an accountant, donate some, some of your services. If you're an AC contracting or repair, 
we often have AC issues, you know, mm-hmm. in survivors' homes. Um, if you're a dentist, I mean, there's there are a thousand and one different ways in which you can partner. You know, obviously, not just with us. There are organizations uh, all across the state, and I know that this radio station reaches out to to more than just the specific community. So. There are a lot of different ways that you can get involved, and uh, I can tell you that victim service providers like like ours um, are always looking for opportunities to provide um, greater assistance to our survivors. Friends, we'll post more information on social media. Um, thank you, Cara McMichael and Sophia Strothers-Lewis. We so appreciate you telling your stories. Um, friends, I want to leave you with a verse today, Matthew 18, verses 4 through six. So whoever will humble himself like this child, he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it is better for him that a heavy, a heavy millstone be hung around his neck and that he be drowned in the depths of the sea. Wow, it's pretty powerful. Thank you, ladies. Um, We really appreciate you listening. Friends, you know that you can find us on Instagram and Facebook. And if you want more information about this program, you can find it there. Um, We love you. And for Kathy Anna Brock and Marlene McMichael, I'm Coach Coach Carrie Brinkader. We'll see you next time right here on Love Talk.